This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Planet of the Apes, episodes 13 and 14. Look, uh, if you must give these humans to the apes, why do you waste them? I mean, that ceremony, that, that man you killed. I did not kill him. He was punished by the gods. I don't think I like your gods. You have no need to. You are not a human. Fortunately. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that has reached the end of the Planet of the Apes. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'll tell you what's real. We're here celebrating with Maine Lobster with butter and cold beer. (laughs) <laughs> i forgot about that line that's uh it, we'll, we'll get to it but that is um apparently pete are one of our main characters that would be his favorite meal is main lobster don't give him anything but a main lobster main lobster with butter they're the best and a cold beer hey i mean can't argue with perfection i guess what's your last meal uh probably a bullet <laughs> jeez dark <laughs> you know, my, my my grandma used to say <laughs> Uh, uh, she'd be like, oh, if I, uh, if I'm getting too old, she's like, just, uh, give me a gun with two bullets in case I miss. <laughs> I thought, well, that's very nice to hear. Thank you. Oh, grandma. Yeah, thank you very much. That's nice. <laughs> what a delightful, delightful memory. She has a great sense of humor. That mm-hmm. way. Yeah. 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 All right, Jordan. Well, there's actually, uh, I've got a lot to get into in my notes tonight today. Oh, so do you? There's, I, I think I do. I think I've got a, a lot of stuff I'm going to talk about that we haven't had a chance to talk about so okay. far. Um, some stuff to wrap up this series, and then, of course, the two episodes. There's a lot to mm-hmm. get into. Before we get into the episodes, though, I did want to quickly go through. I was trying to find out more about the series, anything I could sort of dig up just the mm. last minute here that I might have left uh, off the table. I wanted to bring it all to the table, Jordan. Every little piece. Every little piece. Let's do it. So I found out about some unproduced episodes of the show. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, there's there's a, a fanzine called Simeon Scrolls. You know what? That's really good. That's that's better than a continuum drag. The Simeon Scrolls. It was, I know. I, I like the lot. I think next week, do we change it? This is now the Simeon Scrolls. <laughs> we don't watch any more Planet of the Apes. Now it's Simeon Scrolls. <laughs> well, no. We only find things that have monkeys in it. <laughs> just clips online. Yeah, just clips online. That's what all the podcasts are going to be. <laughs> uh, in in issue 12 of Simeon Scrolls, mm-hmm. um, a gentleman named Mark Rogers had been... Uh, I think he's from the UK. Actually, I think the entire graphic or fanzine might have been from the UK. It seems to be a huge fan base over there. He had uh, been in LA and gone to this bookstore and someone was selling the show Bible for the show, like from really? the actual thing. Like the guy, the bookseller, I guess, had it in the back of the store. And this guy, I guess, had asked some questions. And he's like, oh, I got some scripts. And I have the show Bible. So this guy ended up getting a show Bible that sort of talked about the, the show Bible was from an early stage. So like some things are a little different. Like Burke was called Kovac and Urko was called Urso mm. or Urso, Ursus. Ursus. Mm. Urko is better. Urko, they did the right thing. And, uh, and like Verdun had no family. Like there's all these like little pieces that uh, hadn't been added to the series yet in it there though. There's like, what is it? I think there's five episodes that were never produced and literally all the other episodes that are in the series were in the show Bible. Hmm. Those slightly changed. It was a little more adult. It was a little less aimed at kids. I so think. they really did know where they were going to go with this show, even though 
when you're watching this, it doesn't really seem like that. Well, it seems like in the early stages, it was aimed at a little more of a, an audience for adults. And it, it kind of slipped a little more into that sort of children's area, like that middle ground, mm-hmm. I guess, for I guess maybe that's where they thought it should live. But here, I'll go through I'll go through the five episodes that get produced and you can tell me what you think of these episodes. Uh, the first was The Hostage. It was essentially a Patty Hearst story where human rebels kidnap a heiress ape and she like joins their side. That's pretty good. I would have loved to watch yeah, that that's pretty good. The Trek, they help a hit human tribe through the Forbidden Zone to find freedom in sort of the lands beyond the free, free, uh, Forbidden Zone. Oh, yeah, that, one, okay. that one could easily fit into the show we currently have, I think. Freedom Road, it's this one is great. It's all about uh, an underground railroad they discover that's shipping humans off to uh, Shangri-La. But the big twist of this end of the story is it's all a ploy by Urko to like, oh, capture humans. And capture, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's all right. It was a cute one. Uh, the mine, they, they're finally going to bring us to that mine they kept teasing the last mm. few episodes. It was big, big mine, I guess, was going to... And, like, they were going to meet a guy who knew about, uh, like, p- possibly an ancient civilization or something. I don't know. None of that really mattered. But I was just happy they were finally going to go to that right. mine. And finally, the trial. They were going to do a full courtroom drama. You would have liked that, I think, I would, more oh, than me. I would have been so happy. You know there's going to be one ape with a tie. He's like, hey, you're a fancy city lawyer. I ain't your central city baboon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's much better. Central City Baboon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was looking that, through... that's your that's your name in our uh what's that what's the pod, new podcast called? Simeon Scrolls. And the Simeon Scrolls. You're the you're the uh I'm the Central City Baboon. Exactly. Great. It's yeah. coming it's all coming together. <laughs> yeah, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. All right. Well, those are some episodes that didn't get made. Let's get into the episodes that get made. These final two episodes. Yeah, of, thirteen uh, and fourteen. This is it. This is the end. Here is the end to be summary for episode thirteen, The Liberator. When they are captured by a human community that provides human slaves to the apes, Verdun and Burke's survival is dependent on convincing their captors to rebel against the apes. This episode was not aired during the story, the series' original run. Is that right? That courtesy, that was courtesy of Ape Freak. Oh, Ape Freak! Thanks, Ape Freak. I didn't realize that. He's wrong. Is he wrong? Uh, I was. Oh, re- Ape Freak! I Ape was, Freak! Ape I, Freak! I think it's a. I think here's the thing: it didn't air at all. Uh, markets from what i've been reading this was it's often thought of as the unaired episode but apparently in some markets it did actually end up running mm. but so, i think it was so close to the end of the series it was preempted for other places and, and it sort of became a lost episode that's is and isn't lost so so do we give that to ape freak or no uh, he is forgivable he's he's given us so much that's true he has given us so so much it's absolutely all right this starts off in, a, in this human village um who give gorillas from the mine like human servants they basically every every summer during the summer months they have to give like five humans every second month or something so there's yeah. something like that like and part of how it works is they go out and they they capture like field humans meadow humans they call them mm-hmm. which i guess are just like roving humans well that was at first you kind of find that out maybe 10 minutes 10 or 10 or 15 minutes in the episode because at first i was thinking how is this population not just dwindling like because they're losing people so quick, but yes, they very explicitly say they go out hunting for these people. So, do you think now there's just small groups of people that haven't formed larger communities, or do you think there's just like wild humans running around? Because I like the idea of like just wild humans, just I, flinging poo. I think it might be somewhere between those two things. I feel like this episode and wherever this mine is is clearly really we're getting into the fringes. We're probably getting close to the forbidden zone because it did feel. Like, we are far from monkey control. Right. Ape control. (laughs) 
Monkey. Monkey Control is the place that we do the recording for the podcast. <laughs> Simeon's Girls? Yeah. It, 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 Coming go, from you, Monkey Control. Exactly. This is this is really good. You love this idea. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they, they capture these what they call metal humans and hand them over. And when they're short, they have to draw lots amongst their own people. And those people sort of fill in the ranks of the five. That's sort of how it works. Mm. We're kind of seeing this happen. They've got most of these metal people, but they got one guy uh, who has to come from the city. A man named Klim, mm-hmm. a real local, and uh, he's he's not into it. And when it comes his time to leave with the Grellas, he bolts. Yeah, he, he makes a run for it. Yeah, so they're basically like kind of tied up, and he just they don't do a great job. But he breaks in terms of tying him up. He breaks away. He's like, I'm out of here. And the apes are like, Fine, we'll just go kill him. We love hunting and killing humans. Well, yeah, like, we'll go, we'll go. Get yeah, him. so he runs away, and of course, I like. There's a scene here where we just have pete allen and galen who are just kind of walking down like a dusty road chatting and i i wrote wouldn't it be great if there was a whole episode where that's all it was like they just kept walking down the road you kept thinking something was gonna happen but it's just a really good conversational episode where they're just chatting and you're learning stuff about the history and everything i was like what a fun episode that would be but of course we have this episode so uh <laughs> this uh what's his name klim 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 is running down he bumps into these guys they are able to hide him. I don't know why he couldn't hide because all they do is hide behind a rock, and that was yeah. their, that was their great advice. And so he's now, for a very short time, with them. They're basically like, "What happens?" And he lies to them, doesn't he? He tells them, "Yeah." He comes out of the gate. He's just like, "Oh, they're just, they're hunting me for sport. You know, you know how it is." He's like, "But don't worry. Like when we get back to my village, you're gonna be heroes for saving me." Yeah. And it was hard. I couldn't tell if he was lying or stupid. It was hard for me to tell. I think it had a little bit to do with the guy's performance. I did like though. Uh, you. This is just a small line that comes up when they're hiding there. Um, Galen is a. It's which is odd because usually he's the he's the one who's afraid of everything. But they're talking about like how do we save this guy? What do we do with these gorillas? And Burke doesn't want to go out and do anything about it just yet. He wants to wait for the moment to be right. And Burke tells Galen uh, he wants to teach him about the value of creative cowardice. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I was like creative cowardice. I like it. Yeah. Great line. Yeah. Kudos to you, writer. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Um. So so basically, what we find out very quickly is that. This guy has decided at the spur of the moment after being saved by Pete and Alan that he's going to take these two guys to replace him. And in his mind, the slate's clear. All will be forgiven. Yeah, like they bump in. They go back to the village. They meet the village people. All of them are there. The firemen, the uh, construction worker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he's like, he's like, hey, I got you these two guys. Grab them. And they, like the humans jump on Verdun and Galen. And he's like, or not Galen, but uh, Burke. And Clem's just like, well, I did it. I helped you guys. So... Uh, all's forgiven <laughs> yeah and they're all like uh-uh-uh but they're happy to take yeah they they haul them off to a cage yeah. and klim's hauled off to the temple yeah and galen follows suit because he's like i well i gotta go negotiate with the leader of this clan to get uh, these two jumps out like mm-hmm. i always do every every episode i gotta go yeah. negotiate with somebody so we we see we see this temple which looks pretty good yeah how um, would you describe it it looked like kind of a cross between like an aztec temple and it's maybe almost like an Egyptian thing, the way they had uh, like kind of block stones. Would you think that's a good way that's to describe it? Why is it in California? That I don't know. It's it was. It you, know what, great, you know what's actually funny? But I was very confused. I actually never even thought about it. I guess I was so engrossed in the the story. It was one of their better matte paintings. Yeah. Oh no, I thought so too. It looked and and I've said this before. I'm a big fan of matte of those old matte paintings. I just, I like the world. I prefer it to the CGI stuff. I just think it, I really like the look of them. But so what, what he comes in, uh, uh, Galen is in this crowd. And what we see is sort of a kind of scene you've seen before and things where it's like, it looks like it's going to be some sort of ritual. And, um, 
there's a guy with a weird kind of mask on. He's kind of a king of the wicker people sort of thing. He's, well, the mask is like a stone carved, like orangutan mask he's wearing. Yeah, and it's and it's large, and it like kind of comes down to his chest and, and uh, the whole hood. Yeah, and so he's he uh, the guy Klim is being tied to um, like a wagon, and the guy basically goes like. Uh, he's you know sinned against the gods and will let the gods decide what to do with him and almost immediately i don't even think he gets the prayer out almost immediately the guy's like and he's dead yeah he just drops dead on his own and and i actually thought like that's pretty interesting like that's a pretty good setup for an episode now i'm gonna say right now i don't think they followed through enough on this plot line which i thought was the most interesting part and i thought they focused way too much on everything else but that's the basic setup where you have this idea that Maybe he did pray to the gods, and maybe the gods did kill this guy. Yeah, they, they set up a good mystery, a good kickoff yeah. mystery. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty good. So, And also, Galen is blown away. Galen's like, what did I just see? Oh, well, Galen's acting throughout this episode is top-notch. But like when he sees that man come out in that wooden uh, orangutan mask, Galen like pulls a face that I would, I'm shocked he could pull in that mask. But just yeah. like a face of like... He's aghast that someone would like carve something and like fascinated and like there's so much emotion yeah. in that mask. I was like, how is Roddy McDowell doing? This? Yeah, he's very, very good. So, anyways, he goes back to um, Alan and. Uh, I have one more quick question. Oh, for sorry. You. I'm surprised uh, you didn't complain about all the bells and drums at the temple. No, no, that, but it was <laughs> it wasn't as incessant as uh, uh, as before, and they weren't trying to uh, uh, brainwash me. Fair, fair enough. It was the brainwashing you were objecting to. That was what I was saying. But anyway, Galen goes back to um, uh, Alan and, and Pete, and he basically says to them, like, you wouldn't believe what happened. I can't explain this. Yeah. And they're, and they're sort of like, I don't know. They will make fun of God at least three times in this episode. <laughs> yeah. They're, I mean, they're men of science. They're, they're very... Uh, they're not... They don't care about these people's beliefs. Their beliefs are dumb to them. But, but I'll say, this is pretty consistent, though, with them so far. Like, they've always treated... Uh, any sort of things they've come across as kind of silly and stupid. Yeah, they're 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 a little uh, bit patronizing. A little patronizing. That's absolutely correct. I do like it because they're in this cage. Galen's talking to them. Um, a young woman comes out to deliver them food, and uh, I love this. Their whole they're like, hey, maybe we can like win her over. To, you know, they're they're already plotting. Like they've been captured so many times, they kind of yeah. have a plan going in. They're like, yeah. And Brick's like, I got this. Let me let me let me handle this one. So she comes in and he starts like flirting it up. And did you get the line he said? I did, but you want to get you want yeah. to He says, "Well, I like that they give Pete because Pete's clearly like the ladies' man." Yeah. As we've seen in the flashback in another episode, he's the ladies' man here. So he's using all his line, and he says to Alan, "We could sure use an ally." You know what Pocahontas did for John Smith? Oh my God, that was such a bad. I was like, "Oh no, no, Pete, no." <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say the line he says to her. What does he say right after that? Well, when she comes in to uh, deliver the food and he like, oh, I know what it is. Leans yeah, yeah. over against the cage. and He's just like, hey, where <laughs> I come from, mothers used to warn their daughters about me. And you can actually see Verdun in the shot rolling his eyes. <laughs> he throws up a little bit in his mouth. And he has he has a whole load of and I actually feel bad for the actor. A whole lot of kind of cringy sort of pickup lines and i i don't know if the writers were really were trying to have him be kind of cheesy or if it was he was actually kind of a suave guy in 19 i know i actually think because i think if you watch i feel like the writers wrote them and i don't think they maybe knew what they were gonna do with him but i think if you watch verdun's reactions because he literally is like pulling faces like right this guy like this is so dumb like i think both those actors are like Listen, how are we going to pull this off? He's like, listen, I'm going to lean into it like a real cheese fest and you react like, like, listen to this guy. 
I felt like the two of them were like, not the greatest lines, but we can deliver something here. But it doesn't work anyways because she's only got eyes for another guy who shows up with real good arms. Yes, the the leader's son. He's uh her her name is Talia. Yeah. His name is Miro. A Miro, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they don't know how to kiss. Yeah, uh, it it happens really fast, and it's all intensity and uh, uh, no strategy. They're 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 they put their two faces against each other. Not even necessarily their lips, but they kind of just mash them together as hard as they can. Yeah. I will say that maybe wasn't the strongest point, but this kid playing Miro, he is like dialing it up to 11. He's giving this role yeah. his all. Like he just watched Shatner and went, you know what? That's how you deliver a line. Yeah. He's leaning in. You know what? And I, I, I liked it. I give him props. Like he was giving the role so much. Like he was just like, this is my break and I'm going to leave everything out there on the field. Yeah. But yeah, so that's not going to work. She's hooking up with Miro, son of the leader. He's got to go to town though, because he's got to go get three more uh, meadow people. Or you know, we got a, we got mm. two guys now. We need three more. Let's let's get this underway. Well, I'll say one thing right after this, and it's not important to anything. But uh, if you're keeping score at home, uh, both Pete and Alan take their shirts off again as they chop wood, because it's if it's almost a requisite for the show that they take their shirts off. Yeah, they're training them for the mines. They got to go take yeah. their shirts off. And Galen goes and has a conversation with uh, the leader. His name's Burn, 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 something like that. Yep, B R U N. Either one. And uh, it's kind of interesting because they kind of get into sort of why. Because Galen's just like, I'm an ape. You have to listen to me. Let my let my servants go. And, and he's, he's, like, he's like, no, no, no. No way. And we kind of get a little history here. Is wherever they are in the world, apes have been coming in there all the time and taking human slaves back to their mines. And sometime years ago, there was a rebellion. So there has been a rebellion. Mm-hmm. And they came to a compromise in that if this village can just provide five people twice a year, they don't care where they come from then they won't like they won't interfere they They won't interfere interfere with anything yeah so they have the right to take any alien human who wanders into their land as a prisoner to hand over to the mines so galen has no legal standing which is kind of a first that galen would have no legal standing over a human so it's well it's basically it's it's because they have come to a legal agreement and they're saying he's like you have to listen to i'm a I'm an ape. And he goes, I don't care. Like, that's not the law. That's basically what keeps coming down. He's just someone who knows the law. And he's like, no, no, no. I got it here in writing. It doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. He's not disrespectful, but he's like, you, you have no sway here. Yeah. And you know, Galen's like, all right, well then I'll just go over at night and break the cage, which does not go well. It immediately fails. Galen ends up getting locked in his own little hut now, and they're Mm going to turn him over to the girls too when they show up. So things are going pretty badly. Miro returns. He's only caught one meadow man. Sounds like the meadow men are getting smarter. They're hiding. They're mm. they're not catching as many people as they used to. And even this one meadow man has a knife hit on him, so he like slices open yeah. uh, Miro's arm, which it, it's supposed to be a deep cut. That's it, like I problem. know it doesn't look great, but you, you don't get to see it. I was you see you know you actually in one shot near when he he sits down and leans against the um uh, the cage, you do see a little bit of the fake blood, but it just it doesn't look great. It, it yeah, looks it, like he was finger painting. It doesn't quite sell, but. It, you know, it gives the opportunity for Verdun to help and teach them about tourniquets. I mean, they kind of know something about tourniquets, but they don't know to, like, loosen them so that it doesn't, yeah. like, go gangrene. Yeah, it's one of those, again, things where uh, what we learn is that people and apes in this world, they... They got halfway there. They get halfway there and they go, oh, this is not working. Well, that's too hard. Yeah. But yeah, he saves them. We get a little more, like, the nuance of the of the society. Like, Miro's going to take over for his father as the leader at some point and learn the ways of the gods and why people die when they enter the temple. But Miro's like so upset because he's like, I'm never going to be the leader. And you know why, Mira? You know why, Talia? She's like, you'll get married one day. And it kind of all comes out now that Talia's drawn the lot 
So he's so obsessed with getting more meadow people because if he doesn't fill those three, he yeah. loses his girlfriend. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice a nice turn. Like it was kind of gave everyone more stakes. It it does though have a thing that a lot of this these episodes have had, and I think more so as we've gone on, which is for better or worse, they love setting up a lot of multi little stakes. Every character has like their little thing to varying degrees of success again. Sort of like they don't just want to have a straight plot. It's like the straight plot's this, but then there's a little B plot and there's a C plot and there's a D plot and an E plot. They may not all come together in the end, but there's a lot to keep track of. Overall, I think I've liked that they have so many little plots. I, I think oh, for me, at least it kept my attention right. more. You're right that they don't always land. You're you're not wrong there. <laughs> Some of them are uh, not as well executed as others. Miro, even there's even a scene where here where Miro begs his dad to like, you know, let Talia, mm-hmm. let him take Talia's place. He's really going for this actor. I said it already, but like in this scene, he's begging his father to just like swap out. He cries a single tear down his cheek. I know. I know. I saw that. It was pretty good. I was just like, this guy is killing it in yeah. this role. It's not the role you're going to get noticed for, but if anyone is going to get noticed, he's going to do it. Yeah. And it, basically, it doesn't go anywhere because he's like, no one's above the law, son. Like, this is the way it is. So Miro basically like, that's it. We're done here. I'm breaking those humans out. I'm getting Galen out. I'm going to give them Talia and tell them all just to get out of here. He's like, I'm breaking the rules. Screw the gods. Yeah. Like, we're I'm done with this. And we should know, he doesn't tell Talia this is the plan. He Basically, his plan is, I love her so much, I'm going to get her out of this society and out of this thing. But she's going to go with these fugitives, and I'm not telling her. And she is not into it. No, no. She was fine with her lot in life. Yeah. She was happy. She was like, you know what? Just how it worked out. But... Basically, I think Burke has to put his hand over her mouth and they're yeah, like they kind of drag her they away. They kind of manhandle her and it's, it's like, oh, it's a little, a little awkward. Yeah. But they do overhear that, uh, you know, the humans have already discovered the prisoners have escaped. They've blocked all the roads kind of, I guess, out of the valley or whatever. So they only really have one place they can hide. Yeah. They're like, I guess we'll go to the temple and we'll hide in there. And Talia's like, yeah, sounds good. I want to die. Like she's, she's and they're yeah. like, they're like, no, no, you won't die there. She's like, no, no, we're all going to die. And yeah. I'm, I welcome it. So. I guess the next thing is they go to the temple and Alan, I think it's Alan is the first one who goes across, right? No, no, it's Pete. Pete goes forward to prove, to prove to everyone uh, there's like, nothing to like be afraid guys, of. Guys, there's nothing to be afraid of. You We're superstitious go th- little yeah, jerks. I'm going to the back door. He starts walking through the back door, walks by what looks like a bubbling little cauldron puddle beside him, takes no notice as a scientist. And as soon as he walks by it, boom, he's knocked out and he's on the ground and Alan has to run by and kind of drag him. And they sort of wake Pete up and, and Pete's just out. Like he just was knocked out. And what they realize really quick is I think there's gas coming out of this place. Yeah. There's like gas leaking out of the ground around this temple. But thankfully also, right, also right by it is a <laughs> wonderful stash <laughs> of Thankfully charcoal. all the shots are framed with a big pile of charcoal in the foreground. Yeah. So Alan being the smart aleck that he is knows that charcoal filters uh, a lot of fumes. So he makes sort of a makeshift little um, gas mask. For gas everybody. mask. I like the, by the way, they would rather risk, which is pretty much certain death, than just trying to find another hiding spot. But anyway, the point is, they put the the little masks on, and they're like, let's chance it. And it works well enough that they can get into... They get past the first door. Once they get inside, there's no poison gas inside, they find out. Because Galen takes his mask off, and he's like, no, I can smell it. There's none here. And here's here's a weird thing, and and I'll see what you think about it. So as soon as they get into the temple, they realize they can breathe again. And what they do realize is the temple essentially sits on some something where gas is coming. Some up. sort of pocket of, yeah. yeah. Some pocket. Yeah. And what they find is when they walk in, they see the um, 
the carved uh, mask the carved that mask the leader and they pull it up and wears. they and they go oh look this is the mask there must be something to this and when they look inside of it what i thought was funny is it's not that the mask was was doing anything it's that inside the mask the guy was wearing like a gas mask which looked like it was from like the 1940s yeah it's, it's kind of like an old military gas mask or something and they and they're basically like he must have just found this but there were so many weird questions about that at that point i was like wait a minute so they had this temple and he just happened to find this thing and at first he got knocked out but then he was like no I'll wear this mask and then i'll go in that'll create a religion around like it just seemed like where are I, we going i think this is quite ancient because he even refers to it as a relic of the gods I, I feel like maybe this community has been around for a while and this has maybe been just like where all this came from has been lost like that's how i felt about it i'm just right. like this is just from so long ago no one knows where these customs started or how they did right the point being though the the reason the guy died and and the reason that the priest will call him uh leader doesn't die is because he's wearing a gas mask yeah because there's gas masks they can get past his poison but they take it up a notch real quick because they keep walking through plot new plot because that's what you want with 10 minutes left in the episode is they keep walking and they come to an interesting room and and what what how would you describe what the room kind of looks like (laughs) what i like is they're walking down thing and galen's like oh this this he can smell and he's like this one passageway has a back way out i can smell the fresh air and they're like but look there's a door over here and varen's like i want to go look at it and you see Pete and he's just like, he like literally throws his hands up. He's like, yeah. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I don't know. There's yeah. some fun back and forth. Yeah, no, I mean, and we've said it before. And through this series, one of the best things is the two actors who are playing our two leads and obviously um, yeah. uh, Galen, they're all really good. And they make sometimes kind of silly material a lot better. Yeah. It, it, yeah. But it's a kind of just a fun moment. But yeah, they go in this room. They've got, the the leader has a boiling cauldron of the poisonous gas, which he's got venting up to kind of he's made a makeshift vent into like ceramic jars. Like he's filling ceramic jars full of poison gas. Yeah. I don't know if you can do that, but that's what he's doing. I mean, I, I don't know. You can't. Yeah. So and and what he's basically doing is really quick. You get this like kind of anti-war message that comes at the really yeah. end. He's basically making. Well, he shows up right there. Yeah, he's in making that chemical moment. chemical bombs. Yeah, he's he's making this because. He, it seems like he wants to get along with the apes, and that's what he says the lie is. But he uh, he is he wants rebellion more than anybody. He basically has been filling these up. He's planning an ape genocide. He yep. intends to go to the mines, gas them there, and then when he's done there, he's going to travel the world just killing apes. And yeah, the anti-war message is like, I know you like they're like we're pro rebellion, but we're not pro like massacre. Like yep. that's kind of it, it's a tough to nail where Birkenberg yeah. fall, but like. That's it, too far for them. But it doesn't matter because Galen just takes a stick and bops him on the head and knocks yeah, him out. Galen is not happy to hear he's going to kill all the apes in the world. He bops him on the head and then he walks over to the cauldron and kicks the fire over and basically lights the rib on fire. And they're like, well, it's full of gas. So we need to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So and so no decision needed. Um, and uh, and they kind of get out. I think they have like an argument about violence. It's not a matter. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, you can um, imagine. There's they leave the temple there is for this show i would say the least impressive explosion they've had well so far. that i was so sad because they they have that back way out so what yeah. you see is they exit through a cave and the leader brun he runs back in and dies in the explosion mm. just so we can get rid of him i guess but yeah i was just like are they gonna blow up that sweet sweet temple yeah and it's just a sound effect and like a little smoke coming they never cut back it's just yeah, like boom. it doesn't look good and i was like ah oh, you guys blow up that temple <laughs> And then that's kind of the episode. Like we have the usual, what sort of happens at the end? Cause that was really the end of it. I mean, basically what happens is like they wrap up. There's a funeral happening for Brun. Miro's taking his place as the leader. And he's basically telling um, Verdun and Burke, like he's going to follow their, follow their advice. He's going to start a human rebellion against the apes in the mind. He's going to go make, make peace with the meadow people and start like 
building this rebellion together, which is probably the first time they've like actively incited a rebellion, I think. But yeah. it was an interesting lead off if the show had gotten a little more serialized. But yeah, that sort of wraps up there. It's kind of like they've changed the cultural force in this town, basically. And that's that. And that's that. Episode 14. Sure. Let's keep moving. Let's, let's keep, keep moving. going. Uh, episode 14, Up Above the World So High. I, and I think this is the only episode that's not like the something. It doesn't have the definite articles. There's only one other one. I, Which that? I can't remember what it was called, but early on there was also one that kind of had um, had a non-structure of the nemesis, the right. this. There's the only, but there have been very few. Mm-hmm. Lord, listen. What you have invented is a kind of a glider, which is a remarkable achievement, but it's a dead end. Where do you go with it? Up into the sky. For what? Now put that same thought and energy into something that can be useful for you. Yeah, invent a new kind of plow or something. I will fly. I will do what no human being... Trying to steal my idea so you can take the credit. Come on, Lorik, we're not trying to steal anything. We're trying to help you. Listen, Lorik, if we worked on your glider, taught you safety techniques, got you up there soaring like an eagle, we'd only be setting you up as a target. Some gorilla would see you and pow. I don't care. Unaware that a chimpanzee scientist plans to use a human prisoner's flying machine for her own deadly purpose, Verdun, Burke, and Galen helped the man to build a hang glider. This was the final episode of the series. And that was courtesy. Ape Freak! Wah, wah, wah! Ape Freak! <laughs> um, Ape Freak, look, we love him. We know, you know we love Ape Freak. He really gives away everything, though, in that. I mean, uh, that's it. That's the episode. It's a good summary of the episode, that's for sure. I think that's too much given away. There's no you tease want, there. You want the tease. Yeah, yeah. We don't know her plan, though. Her plan's the big reveal. That's true. That's true. Um, this one opens up. Uh, this must have been shot probably around the time they shot the shark episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on the same coast again. They're basically on the cliff shores by the ocean again. Wouldn't it be funny if in the background you could see the people from the last episode still trying to get them? Like, still trying to, like, throw stuff so, at them? Trying yeah. to get those sharks? Yeah. Um... I like that Galen, it starts with Galen like gathering red fruit off of trees. And mm-hmm. I, I really wanted them to name more future fruit. I agree with you. I thought the same thing. I thought for it, because it's, it's a loving shot of him picking fruit. I'm like, oh, we're going to get a oh, name. Uh, weirdly on that note, um, one of the uh, little fan fictions I read, there was someone and they really talked about the fruit. And they had this whole theory about how uh, there was some sort of nuclear apocalypse. And at, at that point, all the fruit melded into one fruit. So there's only one type of fruit in the world. And the whole thing was about that. And I was like, wow, they've really thought about this fruit. <laughs> and like thousands of words about this. And they had named it. I think it might be the fruit we saw in the very first episode. Okay, interesting. But it was their theory was that's the only fruit. The, in the only world. fruit that's currently available. Yeah. Well, I, it's an apple. It's a banana. It's an orange. It's a kumquat. That one thing just really stuck with them. Yeah, exactly. They needed to get into yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I digress. No, no, it's fine. He's picking these fruits. And when he looks up, uh, what's flying above him? But a flying reptile. Yeah, he thinks it's a flying reptile, and what it is it's a guy in a glider. In a hang glider, yeah. So yeah. some man flying over. He he calls uh, Verdun and Burke over, and they like make fun of him because he's like, "Okay, oh, it's not a flying lizard." Yeah, you idiot, you dummy. Of course, uh, some gorilla guards who are happen to be riding a horseback riding by also get a look at him, and this man kind of like he's a little. Un- he's not too bad. The gliding's going okay, but he kind of like it's an early test. He loses it and crashes in a tree. And there's a in a tree, and there's a bit of a race to like save this man before the gorilla gets to it. The gorilla guards get to him. Alan and Pete get to him first, kind of save him. Yep. 
And but I, what I like is they almost immediately start criticizing him. Well, that's it. They go back to his uh, workshop. And his name is Lurik. Lurik, okay. Lurik the inventor, and yeah, he's obsessed with flying. That's all he wants to do. But like all Pete and Ver- Pete and Burke do. Pete and Burke. That's the same person. Verdun and Burke. Yeah. Pete and Allen. Pete and Allen. You always go with their last name. I always go with their first name. I'm closer friends with them, I think. That's I guess why. that's why. That's yeah. why. You guys are tight. <laughs> but yeah, they get into criticizing a his design, why he would ever want to fly. Yeah. Like why he's so dumb. It seemed it seemed like, yeah, like I I know why. There there's a reason why. They're they're kind of seeding a little bit for later building a better version of this. But it is kind of funny. I'm like, you guys just met a guy. He's to be fair, come up with an incredible invention. Oh, he's way ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. And they're just like, not very good. You suck. You should, you should quit. Like, we did you see what we came in? A spaceship. Way better. It's like, okay, okay, calm you, down. Oh, you made a hang glider, eh? You didn't even do it right. I know. Anyway, so... They, they won't even share their knowledge. Like, yeah, they're... they're You know, they don't share knowledge. As if their, their time travel is going to the past and they don't want to change things. But anyway, they're being aggressive with them. And what I like about this guy, though, he just gives it back. He's basically like, I don't care. I'm the best. I'm going to be famous. That's just his like, thing. You're just saying that because you want to take my ideas. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no, no. I'm going to be the guy, the glider guy. Everyone's going to know me. They end up kind of negotiating a compromise. Like, so the guy doesn't get caught by girls in the future. They're going to move his workshop to these old runes nearby. And let me just make a weird side note. I'm pretty sure for whatever reason in this episode, there's something funny with Galen's hands and they're much hairier than in any other episode because I kept noticing his hands and they were super hairy. And what I think is there was some sort of costume issue and they just stuck someone else's like gloves on him. <laughs> but it was, it was driving me crazy the whole episode. I'm like, his hands have never been that hairy before. They were like flowing in the wind. Anyway. That is so funny. I did not even notice yeah, sorry. at all. At you all. know, it's a good episode when I'm noticing the hair level on uh, hands. Yeah. They just basically negotiate. They're going to move him to these old runes because the apes are superstitious about it. And just before they start moving his stuff, he all, he, there's this apropos of nothing. He's just like, oh, also look what I found on the ground. A piece of glass. Yeah. The lightning struck when from where lightning struck the sand. Yeah, I know. And I was like, I hope that becomes something, which it does. But it's like, what a weird line. Well, it's funny too because he's just like, I have no interest in it. It is not flying. Yeah, I have no interest in it. I will leave it over here. Thus, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Burke's like, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna polish it up. I'm gonna blow Galen's mind. Yeah, he actually says it. Like, I'm gonna blow his mind with making a magnifying glass. And we cut to what I, I wrote in my notes. I bet you Luke is loving this. It's a boring bureaucratic meeting. Well, before before we get there, I'm just going to cut to one last thing because as they're moving him across to this uh, to his new workshop, mm-hmm. you see basically uh, Verdun and Brooke are there. They almost got the last loads. Like, well, Galen and Lurik should be here any minute. And like Galen runs in, and he's like, "You guys, you'll never guess what happened. They captured Lurik while I was in my hiding place." Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did it off camera. It all happened off that's camera. Right. Yeah, yeah. And Galen's is like, "I was there too, but I was hiding." Yeah, that's it, right. It was just a weird way of like having him captured, like just not not. That's seen. right. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so this leads us into a high council meeting, where for this is a first, Zayas and Urko in an agreement about what to do with this guy who wants to build a flying machine. Yeah, kill him. Kill him. They're both just like, yeah. I think I think what happened is Zayas after. Well, let's say it's been about, what do you think? How long do you think the show has taken? Like six months? Sure. Six months. I think after a while, I was like, you know what? None of my experiments are working very well. I think Urko's right. I think we just kill him. No, let's kill this guy. You just kill him. Um, but there's a, there's another scientist there, Carcia, and she interrupts. Zayas, if I might have permission to speak, <laughs> I'm just a female scientist. Yeah. At first, I thought this was a weird, like gender thing at the time but as we'll come to learn this is her, this is more to do with like her character yes and 
she's playing a role in order to put herself in a position. So she she subjugates herself. Yes. To build herself. Yes. Uh, but initially, I was just like, "Whoa, that's weird." Yeah, and and her her basically her strategy is, I'm gonna work with this guy, and here's I'm gonna blow your guys' minds. No beatings. I'm not gonna beat him up. We're just gonna get him to do his work. And they're all like, "All right, we'll allow it." Well, Z- yeah, she's like, "I think we should look into flying machines," because I've heard. Our ancestors used to fly, and Zay says already is like, oh, an experiment. Yeah, he loves it. He loves experiments, and he loves things from the past. So he's on board, he's, and you and you just can see the eye rolling from Urko. Well, I believe Urko, even in the middle of it, just exasperatedly shouts, "Why bother?" <laughs> he's the best. He's such a great character, and she kind of pushes back on him by saying, "If our ancestors liked flying, it must not have been useless." And he's just like, "Well, you got me there." Yeah, good point. And that's the last we'll see of either of them in this episode. Yeah, that's right. I know disappointing, that's un- disappointingly. Un- yeah, unfortunately, that's the end. But so what we get is she has a very light interrogation kind of of this yeah. guy, but really it is a um, motive motivating him to make to finish yeah. this uh, this she, hang. Glider. She takes her fancy card out to the Gorilla Garrison where she's prison in prison. She like she throws the Gorilla go- uh, leader out, or commander out of his chambers because she's mm-hmm. like a higher level scientist, and she's like, "Yeah, I want to know how you fly." I'm going to give you a sweet workshop. Make a new flying machine. I want you to make a flying machine. Let's work together. And now I missed something here, I think, uh, in in my own uh, inability to pay attention. Galen kind of shows up and starts flirting with her. What What, what is that bridge? Is something missing there? No. What it was is when Lurk's captured, they're like, uh-oh. They didn't shoot him on the spot. Their assumption is... They're going to execute him. They're going to do a big public execution for him. They're like they basically imagine what could be happening to him. So they go to this garrison, and it's the same thing they always do. Like Galen puts on the the uh, what is, who does he pretend to be here? He's an archaeologist named. Uh, oh, I, I don't know if I've written down the point Protus. Is, Protus. He loves he loves being characters. Oh, I didn't get into the last episode, but uh, there was like three great human guard names in that episode oh what were they hold on let me let me go back real quick and find them i i they kept they said them out loud i'm like these names are the best nothing's better than my favorite which was jason ort lurk and tag <laughs> oh those are pretty good anyway good great names on the yeah, show yeah and yeah he shows up he's like i'm a scientist you're a scientist he starts really flattering her intelligence and and she's just like ah. Uh, you don't have to flatter me, but I do like it, so keep keep it coming. Yeah, and and she starts flirting hard, and and Galen's pretty uh, uh reciprocal to it. Yeah, Galen's having a nice time. Like yeah. she's a very attractive ape, unquestionably. It's smart, smart. She she's interested in flying. She doesn't want to be a human. She seems to have all the things that like Galen would be attracted to: inquisitive, mm-hmm. nice to people. It, what what more could you want? But um, he, she probably reminds him of his ex girlfriend, that doctor. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. But, you know, they're there because they're worried he's going to get executed. Or, as Verdun and Burke keep saying, he's going to die in crashing his terrible aircraft. Mm-hmm. They, they just keep judging him over. Yeah. So they kind of uh, realize, all right, he's got a deadline to make this glider. He's either going to fail and get executed or make a shitty one and die. We're going to have to make him a real hang glider and somehow swap it out so that he doesn't die. And that is Q4 building montage. Yes, yeah, a very a very fun competing glider montage. Yeah. And then and it ends with and so what do you have is Pete and Allen making one and what's this guy's Lurk. name? Lurk. Lurk making one. Lurk. 
Lurik, excuse me, not Lurk, Lurik making one. And uh, and at the very end, Galen has a thing. A, little, he's like, a fun little vignette. He's like, I glued my fingers together. Well, they got boiling glue. And he's like, he tastes it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's just tray sap. Delicious. And then it cuts back to him. And his, his fingers are stuck together. Yeah. He's like, oh, oh. Yeah. And so that was like the funniest, weirdest side in any yeah, of these episodes. I know. But what we, what we get is that Pete and Alan being the classic kind of jerk guys they are, want to test out their... Yeah, they've th- built a glider. Yeah. Time for test flight. And so they're like, well, we're not going to fly it. Galen, you're the one who's terrified of this idea. You're going to fly. Well, their reasoning's okay, though. Like, if they see a human, a real yeah. season, they'll get shot. So it's only up to Galen. And we get some pretty funny shots of him uh, him flying. But did you notice Wait. the one thing about it, the flying? What's that? It's the first time we've really seen his feet. Oh, I've seen, I, I've seen those shots before. Under the bottom of his feet? Those weird shoes he's Yeah, wearing. really weird. Yeah, yeah. I want to say, though, because while they're trying to convince him to fly, because he really doesn't want to, Brooke says to him, Galen, it's you. Or it's a last poor Lorik. Oh, I didn't even catch that line. The, the best part is, as he says it, Verdun again is in the shot behind him, literally, like making a face like it's the worst oh, pun he's I ever heard. I have to go back and watch that. Like the last two episodes, the two of them are like they clearly like got scripts. Were like some of these lines are ridiculous. I'm gonna stand in the background and roll my eyes at them when you say them. That's good. But it's a great flying sequence. Do you think they flew? Uh, it looks like they're flying an actual glider. It, it did, yeah. I mean, some of the scenes clearly are. Some um, of them are clearly like they're on close-ups or like. Yeah, yeah, but no, no, it does look like the wide shots. They put someone in a costume and had them jump off a cliff. At least, at least for a few shots. Yeah, they did. Absolutely, and it's very funny because Galen doesn't want to do it, but as soon as he's up in the air, he must yell "woohoo!" like five times. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he just keeps yelling. He loves so it. So what we've learned is um, apes just inherently are all species. If they're excited, they will yell "yoo-hoo." And uh, woohoo, excuse me. And if they're riding a horse, what did he do last time? Yeah, he, he said yeehaw. Yeehaw, there we go. Yeehaw. The, it just, it's just natural. It's just natural. Yeah. It's just the way we're all born. Mm-hmm. Of course, though, we need some sort of contrived hang up to cause some problems here. And they thought they had more time to get their new glider over to Lurik, but Lurik's finished his early. Yeah. And they can't let him fly because he'll die because they don't trust his design. He flew one already. Like, I know. His design I, is fine. It's, it's, it's a weird thing that they. They've arbitrarily decided. They've arbitrarily, like, like he sucks. And they, he, he doesn't, there's no indication he sucks. We've seen him yeah. fly a glider. I know. It's just for whatever reason. I think they just needed them to be doing something. Yeah. And without that, th- there's no point to them in the episode. So we would just be watching another person build a right. thing. So anyway. But they basically send Galen back because he's got to like sabotage it so they have more time. He's got the expander. So he shows up. He's got an expander. It's a, it's the glass that uh, Burke's carved into a magnifying glass Yeah, for he's him. calling the magnifying glass an expander. An expander. And he's showing it off to them. Like he's flirting with his new girlfriend, showing off the Lurik. He distracts them. He's like, hey, let's look at something over across the room. And he like kind of sets up the magnifying glass. So it does that burn an ant thing and like mm. lights the whole glider on fire. and Essentially like buys them more time by burning down this poor man he, he also doesn't get called on it because she finds the magnifying glass right away and is basically like oh yeah she puts her hand under it and, and, like and her she, skin burns and she gets burnt and she doesn't like you sabotage she's like hey i think we found another use for your thing she's just like oh it got hot and he's like i had no idea you discovered it like he just flatters yeah. her he like flatters her intelligence i will note one thing and this was in the IMDb trivia or not trivia maybe the goofs so this is a magnifying glass burke has invented the magnifying glass for galen Wanda the ape was wearing glasses. Oh right, yeah. So this is I, when I read that I'm like, oh, you're right. It makes no sense. They know like there yeah, was an ape wearing glasses. They should know all about this. Yeah, you're right. Take yeah. that, Planet of the Apes. Yeah, there's a real goof for you. 
But anyways, they, they burn the stuff. And this is at the point where we kind of find out that she's sort of a chimp supremacist. Yeah, I mean, that's basically it is she's just like, well, now what are we going to do? And he says, let me bring my two servants in. They'll help this guy rebuild his thing real quick because they're good at this kind of stuff. And why don't you and I retire to the bedchambers and mm-hmm. chat it up? And she like hands over her manifesto to him and he's reading it. And it's just a man. Yeah, it's just like orangutans are inferior. Gorillas are inferior. Chimpanzees are supreme. I actually think, this again, this is an interesting idea. Maybe not, again, fully realized, but they always seem to wait a little, maybe a little too long to introduce these ideas because this is already like the third act in this episode. Well, not quite, but it's like, I don't know. I always feel like maybe you could have just done this. A I mean, I don't even know if I, I agree with myself. It just felt like it, it kind of happened kind of quick. Maybe looking back, it... it there was it, a little... I think in, in this particular... I'll defend this one a little bit just because there was some teasing of it, like the intellectual flirting earlier. And then like midway through... They were talking about how great it was to have a stimulating conversation because, you know, gorillas, they can't talk, which has yeah. been a thing we've heard before. Mm-hmm. In fact, and this is something you've been wanting. You've been wanting to know the yeah. difference between these uh, sort of ape species or subsets. Yeah. And there are more and more clearly. There are. Divisions. No, it's, divisions. it's definitely an interesting idea and one that they should push into more. And I do like the idea that something that this show has done really well is shown that there's not a unifying thought behind all Everyone doesn't believe it the same thing. Yeah. And there's different political faction and different ideas and beliefs. And I think they've done a good job with that. And now we're seeing a version of the negatives that can happen in society when you have someone that's yeah. gone too far to the extreme. And it kind of also reveals her big plan. Why she's so interested in a flying machine is she has a box that's labeled Fragmentation Cosmoline Pack. They're bombs. She, yeah. She's got some fragmentation bombs. You know what she could have used? If she just had teamed up with old uh, a mask face in the last episode, she could have dropped those those pottery those gas bombs, those, those those gas clay bombs. I on did her notice own. in these two episodes there were there were two different villains with like bombs that were. I, I have a feeling it was probably something in society that was happening at that time that was making that uh, that the 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 thing to go to right some sort of terrorism perhaps yeah perhaps yeah <laughs> but, all that old chestnut but the essentially idea is is she is going to run a coup on the high council. She wants this glider. She's going to fly over the council, blow that up. She's going to blow up Urko's chambers, and she's going to blow up all his kind of like close allies in the in the military. She basically is, is planning a coup of the entire ape government. Yeah, because she's like, Zeus uh, is orangutan. Done. Urko, gorilla. Done. All those people's like, no, chimps are on top, and that's what it's going to be. I was shocked to find there was a coup plot in the mm. middle of this episode. We cut back, and... Verdun and Burke have shown up to help build this, rebuild this glider. And they're bringing the glider they basically built in. Yeah. And I love it because Lurk's not stupid. They show up and he's immediately like, Galen burnt down my glider on purpose. And Burke just turns to him and says, you want to engrave an apology? It would have broken your stupid neck if you flew that stupid machine. I know. It was so mean. It it it's and it I don't know if it's even in character why they're so They're very antagonistic with this. Very guy. antagonistic. I guess maybe they're trying I think maybe it's just like maybe the inventor didn't push it far. I think he's supposed to be kind of arrogant and a little pushy, but they're like way more back. Mm. So it never, it never quite like evens out. But it was very funny. I loved yeah. how much they hated this man. Yeah, it's just like he for whatever reason he really anno- he really annoyed them. Um but with the information of this coup out Basically, Galen, Verdun, and Burke are like, all right, forget all of this. 
trash the glider. We're getting out of here. Like we can't help this coup. And in they sort of attempt to do it, but there's like kind of a fight and kerfuffle. Verdun and Burke get away. Lurk gets shot in the hand and Galen gets captured. And it kind of ends this sort of like attempted escape, attempted sabotage with nothing broken really. But Lurik's in prison, his hand's too hurt, he can't fly, Galen's in prison, and we get a quick shot of uh, Verdun's somehow built a slingshot? This could have been like his weapon throughout the series, but yeah, he just has a slingshot, and that's how he delivers a message to them in their little cage. He just shoots the like shoots a piece of paper. Well, it's great too, because they, they want to keep us in suspense, so Galen like reads the piece of paper quickly, and then eats it, and doesn't say anything, and I'm like, wait, what's the plan? Yeah. But essentially what happens is, there's a little there's a little argument between uh, old uh, Carcia, the the female ape scientist, and uh, the guard who runs the place. He's just like, listen, this your whole experience's gone too far. Like people are escaping, people are trying to destroy this thing. Uh, let's just kill these people. She's like, listen, let me run my test tomorrow, and afterward, kill them, or they'll die when they fly. Either way, I don't really care. Yeah. So they end up out on this cliffside. Galen's there. Lurik's there. Lurik's like, I can't fly this glider. My hand's broken. Galen puts on a whole act about, well, don't look at me. I'm afraid to fly. Mm-hmm. Don't, I would never do it. And Cersei's like, Carcius, Cersei, Carcius. Whatever. She's just like, well, I've got a great idea. Why don't you fly it then? And you can take him with you. And if you both die, two birds with and one stone. I thought stone. that was weird because they didn't even know if it would fly with one person. And like, you're going to add the weight of two people? Like, I get kind of why they did it i was like that seems an odd odd it was an odd choice i will say though at least the uh gorilla commander has come out he's like positioned his like sharpshooters all along the cliff he's like if you fly out of this area i'm going to kill you so you're not because i was just like they're obviously going to escape but at least there was like some sort of plan to stop them but this has sort of almost like a cartoon moment here where so they get in the glider they glide everything is going well not not too long they sort of crash into the water right and and i like that um what's her name uh female ape it's just like well they're dead I guess we don't need to look, and they just walk away. Well, that's, I mean, that's it. There's, this is supposed to be the big flight. It actually works. There's some great shots yeah. of them flying. Galen's yelling, woohoo. It's clearly working. And whatever the plan they came up with was, we don't really learn, but what we kind of see is that Burke and Verdun like throw a rock at an ape's head, and he does, a, he does a hilarious pratfall, and then they disappear. And the plan is basically they get over the open ocean and they basically crash land into the water. And yeah, Carcius, who's been trying to capture the secret of flight, she just looks down. And she's like, "Secret of Flight's lost forever. Let's just go home." Yeah, she she actually says she goes, "They're both dead." She goes, "And the Secret of Flight." It's like, what? That, that's it? That you, you don't? Try. You haven't looked for them. You you could recreate that now. It's like Wendy. It's like Wendy. Wendy Wanda. Wanda in the and the brainwashing. That's right. You're like at the finish line and you give up. Yeah. And that was was crazy too. Is because they crashed there. They're like, well, I guess they're dead. And as they're walking away, Verdun and Brooke paddle out with a little raft put galen on it get lurik and they just like paddle away into the ocean in plain view i know in plain view. but what i like is then, and then the show essentially ends on them laughing at galen because galen is seasick yeah i know and, like, then, and then you get a long shot of them sailing away and they go that's the series everyone goodbye yeah and that's it they sail I, off into the sunset i mean obviously not their planned ending no. but it i mean <laughs> very odd i mean i didn't hate the episode but like for an ending like what a what a what a yeah. low ending yeah that's it that wraps up the series i don't know what you have i got a few final stuff things i want to get into here Jordan, go for it but first i uh i i did want to note and this actually was in the trivia on the final episode of mdb the show was intended originally to air on tuesdays mm-hmm. but there was a cbs executive who hated it he just wanted to bury it so he programmed it in the friday night death slot 
Right. So that was sort of his plan just to like rid himself of it. Yeah. But it actually ended up being like still fairly viewed, but mostly by children, which was just not what the advertisers wanted from the show. So that I actually seemed to be what this like little write up was saying was kind of its death meal was like put in a bad slot, but also attracted just the wrong audience to it. Right. Probably because it just wasn't working. It was, you know, you know, what it was up against, you know, what that was the Friday night death slot. Um, what, 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 what year again was this? It'd be 74. 74. Give me a hint. I want to guess. Uh, it'd be two sitcoms, I believe. Okay. Okay. I'm going to guess 74. I'm going to guess all in the family and mash. No, I mean, you're sort of, oh, okay. Hold on. It was, uh, happy days and you're further. Oh, I'm further. Okay. What is it? It was Stanford and son. And I actually don't know if this is a sitcom, but maybe you can tell me Chico and the man. Okay, I wouldn't. I, have, I wouldn't guess Chico and the Man. I don't know what Chico and the Man is, so I just. It's like an old cop show, I think. Oh, I I envisioned like an old man and his young his young cousin his young nephew or something. Yeah, it's uh American no American sitcom. Oh, four seasons, seventy four to seventy eight. There you go. So that that kind of is what finished it off. And in my sort of research over actually the course of this series, uh, I'd come across this one website that has like a great amalgamation of everything about this show like they've got scripts they've got images from all the old comic comics and all the old uh, records and everything in fact i actually watched all the old galen clips on there hmm. where he's old oh man it's not very, those those bookends are not very good not good huh? uh, they're not great it's very funny he's like clearly in the far future because he's a computer and the best part of it though is like i don't know how they're broken up but he's always describing what you just saw so if you've watched the episode you kind of know where they are in this in this series when you're watching it but he's kind of like talking like can you believe this can you believe they went to a farm and like right. it all but it all culminates the entire like what must have been four movies ends with, he's been like building something and it finally pulls out to reveal he's been building a little toy a little organ grinder and like monkey that's clapping symbols is what he's been building the whole time but the big twist is the organ grinder is a monkey and the ma- monkey is a little man with symbols what a twist that was what he was building yeah, the entire the- i thought i thought you were gonna say what do you end up finding is that he's been building a spaceship and he's like gonna go back no it's just a little toy it. it's just a little yeah. toy he's been building sounds pretty stupid and also ends it also ends with just like what because they mentioned they're like and then they went home like it just ends it's like and then they got home later somehow don't worry about it and he's mm-hmm. like and but, but i didn't go with them because i know what you guys do you lock me in cages but if you guys ever come here, I'm going to lock you in a cage. Like it ends on such a threatening note. Weird. Anyway, that's that's not what I was actually getting into. There's a lot of great stuff on this little website. But the thing I really liked was someone had done a very well drawn and like thoroughly researched final episode comic book hmm. for the series. And I read it and I, you know what? It's, it doesn't all work, but they've tried really hard to basically get the continuity of the show, the movies and all the spin-off comic book and book material really? all together. So they're working very hard tied together. Now, let me do, do you think it was Ape Freak who did all that? I don't know. I've got the name of the guy who wrote it, though, because it was so good. Uh, Mike Mc, Mike McComb, I believe he's from Scotland or something. I think we now know the name, the real name of Ape Freak. I mean, I think this man would have put a little more. I, Ape Freak did a good job, but this guy, would've, you, he right. would have been much more careful. Right. You want you want to hear what happens in the final? Yeah, of course the, I do. The, the theorized the non-canonical, non-canonical uh, final episode yeah. takes place. 11 years after the crash. Okay. They've given up trying to get home. Well, as you would after 11 years. They've started a farm. Sure, yeah. Well, he's got a uh, uh, farm background. Zaius is dead. Yeah, sad. 
Urko has taken over everything. I love it. He's a general. He's running. He's running everything. Yeah, great. I love it. This uh, these neighbor ape comes to visit them, and uh, he's just been to the city, and he's just like, "Oof, it's tough times in the city." And they're like, "Why? What's going on?" He's like, "Now they got these uh, human concentration camps they've started." Oh, jeez, this got dark real fast. <laughs> Very dark. And Verdun is like, he can't take it anymore. He can't. He loses it. He's like, he can't stand that he's here and stuck here, and that Urko's killing humans. And this neighbor tells him this other rumor. He's like, yeah, uh, you know, the people, the wild people in the in the Forbidden Zone have been running out of there for some reason because there were flashing lights over there th- this last night. So he's like, I got to go. I got to go see if there's something useful to, for me in there. So they all sort of get back on the road, head to the Forbidden City. What they find there is those mutant people, those mutant people who worship the atomic bomb, mm-hmm. apparently from one of the movies. So they bump into them. They've captured a spaceship from the future. A woman has come back from the future to rescue them. Apparently, they met her in one of the comic book spinoffs. There's like a note saying. Of course, yeah. Anyway, so she's like, she's come back. She's broken the law. The past has given up on the people who've been lost, and she's come back to save them because I guess she met them. I don't know, whatever. So they're breaking her out to get to their spaceship. Urko comes in with an army. Basically, he wants to come in, and like he's heard the rumors too. So the mutants fight the gorillas. They're running to the spaceship at the end. Urko gets a hold of Galen is like choking him to death. And uh, Burke jumps in to try to save him, and Burke is shot and killed oh. before they get away. The mutant leader shoots Urko with a machine gun. Kills him. Kills him. So only Verdun gets away, and Galen stays on the planet. Of the Apes. And it cuts, it cuts back to, I guess, the past where mm-hmm. Verdun's from. And Verdun goes and visits a memorial with his name on it and, and all the other people who've been lost to the Planet of the Apes, and he weeps in front of it. It's not bad, actually. It, I'm not doing it justice. It's actually kind of a fun little read. Yeah, I'll, you'll have to send it to me and I can take a look at it. I was I was surprised, but I'm like, people have really cared about this. And like, the drawings are great. He put a lot of thought into how to tie all these things together, wrote a pretty like contained little story and like tried to tie it all up. And this, like when Burke died at the end, I was like taken off. I was like, Burke's dead? That well, can't be. That, that smart mouth of his got him in. One too many, one too many uh, uh, pickles he couldn't get out of. Also, uh, Urko's son makes an appearance. Oh, nice! The one from that story. I, I it could be, it could yeah. be. So, what do you think overall about this show? I mean, here's the thing: we got through the whole show, fourteen episodes. Was it fourteen? Thirteen episodes? Fourteen episodes? Something like that. We watched a lot of episodes. It never quite hit some of the peaks we've had in some of these shows, but it never also hit the lows. It sort of had that meaty sort of like. That's okay, kind of, kind of area. And I, uh, my, my personal feeling was, good actors, good premise, pretty good costumes and effects and stuff for the time period. I think it was a little bit of missed potential because they were handcuffed a little bit by the writing. And I don't, I don't ex- exactly know why because they had this whole world to play with, and it feels like they added these constraints upon themselves. And I don't know what the reason was. I think looking at that show Bible, when it was meant to be a little more adult, where you'd have a Patty Hearst episode, whereas what was finally produced, like probably skewed closer to family. I think that ultimately is probably the constraint that got put on it. Probably somewhere in the getting right. close to production, which kind of hamstrings it. Like they want to deal with some of these things. They clearly have writers who are capable of it and are trying to even within the constraints. Well, that's what I mean. Because what becomes clear, now, and I think we mentioned in these last couple episodes, is that they kind of get into the beliefs and politics of this world, but almost more in the first half of the season and the second half of the season, it's like in the third act, you'll get this kind of interesting idea like that there's different possibly uh, racism within the apes and all these sort of interesting ideas. It almost seems like 
they're scared to get too much into. So they're just like, throw it in the end in the little thing. I'm like, no, no, that's the interesting part of this episode. Not the building a kite. Who cares about that? You know? Yeah. I think they were just stuck in that adventure. They had to be an adventure show when I think they wanted to be something else. Yeah. But they still had to provide an adventure show to the But network. not a bad show at all. And, and an easy show to watch. A lot of fun ideas. A lot of kind of fun little moments. As I said, Urko becomes a great character. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. One of my favorite characters, I think, in any of the shows we've seen. Well, you want to rate these two episodes? Yeah. What, what would you give the first one, The Liberator? Um, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. It was really close to being a lot better. I just, I had wanted them to focus on what I thought was interesting, which was kind of the mystery of the how the guy died with the gods. And I just feel like they had that interesting idea and then had to kind of put it through this weird sausage grinder to make it like all the other episodes. Yeah, that's fair. I think uh, it didn't quite work. I like, like, I love that kid, Miro. It may be a little over the top and he's a little too much, but I enjoyed watching him. That single tear, I was like, mm. boom, like, man, oh man, going for it. I am still, yeah, I'm going to go 6.5. It just never quite worked exactly. Um, and what about um, Up Above the World So High? Weirdly, I actually think I liked the other episode more, but I'm, I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 10. Um, because I think I'm going to give them credit for creating. And I, I like the idea of the potential future storylines of having descent among the ranks of the apes. And I think there's an interesting idea, not fully realized in this episode, but sets up some potential. So because of that, I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. Pretty good. I liked that whole thing with the potential coup. I actually didn't mind the whole thing with the guy inventing a flying machine. I thought that was kind of interesting. And while Burke and Verdun were maybe a little hard on him, I did at least like there was some sort of weird conflict that was like just like a personality. Right. I, I think I'd also give it a seven. I think that's uh, I think that's about right up right up the right spot for mm-hmm. it. So what are, what are we looking at? Hold on. Let me just blowing the dust off this old machine. It's been a little while. Let's uh, push some buttons and uh, check where we're at. The the computer is an old Nintendo. You have to blow in the cartridge. Yeah, I, 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 hold on. Now blowing that kind of cartridge. There's a, um, it actually looks a lot like um, the uh, the machine we saw in, in an earlier episode of this show where there's just four buttons and you just push one of the four buttons and it just pulls up our scores and sends it out one of those old printers with the little the dot matrix. Yeah, we had to wait for the printer to roll out. Yeah. All right, Jordan, you want to know what the final score is for series average for Planet of the Apes? Yeah. Can I guess what it is? Yeah, yeah. 6.2. 6.38. Wow, that was pretty close. Yeah, not too bad. I think if I were going to, if someone were to ask me about the show, I, I mean, I'll say it right now. I would probably recommend watching the show. If this is a podcast you're listening to and you like kind of like this kind of thing, you know, I maybe wouldn't watch it like back to back to back. But I think if you put on a few episodes, I think you'd kind of have a good time. I agree. I think if we had watched this as an audience member at the time, not like we do, we sort of watch it and sometimes it's it's a lot in one week, you know, to watch two 50 minute episodes in a week and it's and it can be like okay this is a little bit of a lot but if it's a casual sort of show again i would i would recommend it too if you like this sort of thing this sort of fun adventure kind of something set in the 70s got those sort of production yeah, values this is this is by far uh, there, the best of what we've seen there's a lot to be surprised by like i am was constantly blown away by some of the mask acting people could get yeah. away with in this show some of the writing was really good some some episodes are definitely better than others and maybe you could pick some of the better ones to watch but like if you're just like i want someone to watch while i eat my uh my craft dinner tonight like sure put it on 
Oh, you set those expectations real low. Yeah, yeah, that's what this, this is what I imagine. Um, no, but I, I, I think you're right, and I, I think some really good performances, um, some good ideas, and pretty good production value. Absolutely. Um, just don't watch the, you know, the, all the coast episodes in a row, you know, <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. But like, but yeah, I, it's a pretty good little show. I think our rating is is pretty close to what it is. It might be more of a, like a seven out of ten, but uh, yeah, I think this, I think it is. You know, it's the average. It's what we felt about each episode. I think if you were to ask me about the series, I'd be like, I might have bumped it. If I had just thought about the series, yeah. I probably would have said a seven. But I think in reality, as a whole, it is probably correct. Like, I yeah. don't think we're too far off from it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, that's it for Planet of the Apes, Jordan. I'm going to miss it. Yeah, I I'm, I'm, I'm feel a nice sense of completion. But I think we'll be talking about this show, uh, knowing people with our comments about this show in future episodes. Do we know what we're going to do next week? Is it we going to keep that as a secret? or I don't remember. We're going to do a TV movie. I just don't remember what it's called. Okay, so it'll be a secret. That's what we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a big surprise to us even. Yeah. And well, I guess until then, thanks for joining us for our uh, journey to the Planet of the Apes. You can still get a hold of us at continuumdrag at gmail.com if you have any thoughts on the show or anything you think we missed or any information about its cancellation that maybe is interesting to know. And of course, on Instagram and Twitter at continuumdrag, we'll have little little quick clips of the show and some probably some photos and who knows what else will end up on there. Right, Jordan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just staring at me blankly. Just staring at you blankly. Sorry. Uh, but yeah. So, listener, thanks for joining us. Jordan, good doing it with you. Mm-hmm. And Ape Freak, good night, you sweet prince. <laughs> nice. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard. 